Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you found us, make sure that you check out all of the other episodes that we've put out. You can do that by hitting the subscribe or follow button and scrolling back in the library. We are now at 194, so we are closing in on 200 or roughly the average Marlin hitters batting average. So we're getting pretty close <laughs> that 200 figure. I say that as I'm actually trying to negotiate to get a prominent Marlin or, or someone who qualifies as a prominent Marlin at this stage on our podcast next week. So hopefully we'll be able to bring you a little bit more Marlins coverage. We've been doing a lot of NFL lately. I went back in the canon, Chris. I don't feel like we've done as many you know, NFL episodes in a short period of time in a very long time, probably uh, since the very end of the season. So done a ton of stuff on Josh Rosen. You should check that out. Every pod's uh, different. So not necessarily if you've listened to the first one, you know, have you heard everything? We kind of, our point of views evolved over time as they tend to do. That way you can never be wrong. Um, also check out the other podcasts in our network. I'm not going to give you the names because they're all spoiled brats, but we have 14 other podcasts in the network. You can type in five reasons sports and you'll find them. All right, find three yards per carry because they've had uh, a really good five weeks. And also check out our website, five reasons sports. Dot com. We now have heat content on there again. We didn't have heat content for a while. It was, again, a ton of Dolphins and Marlins stuff. A couple of new pieces, one by Alex Toledo. You know him as at Tropical Blanket on Twitter. Um, I hope you know him as that. And he wrote a piece about Goran Dragic and kind of what happens with his opt-out, what, the, what he should do, what the heat should do. And then a new piece out by Christian Hernandez today. You know him as at the Maple Rick on Twitter. And Christian went through all the numbers of the Heat season. Really interesting breakdown of Bam out of bio on there that I think that Heat fans should check out. All right, we're going to do NBA today, though. We're going to branch out a little bit from, from again, from the NFL or from what we were doing uh, with the Heat, you know, towards the end of their season. And just talk about what's going on in the playoffs so far. And we did a podcast, Chris, with Matt Moore. And one of the topics that we talked about with him was whether or not the NBA was going to miss LeBron James. and. I think they're feeling it a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I know there have been some moments, the Dame, Dame Lillard moment, which was sort of the greatest buzzer beater other than Arya Stark over the past three weeks. I know that reference goes way over your head. but uh, no, I, I, you know, I get the reference. I just don't watch the show. <laughs> I, I know. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how, how could you not understand that reference by this point? I mean, you, well, you have to be living under you know, a people rock. Got angry at me. People got angry at me for retweeting the Arya Stark, Dame Lillard memes. I mean, like, look, I understand it. I know the spoiler thing. The same thing is going on with the Avengers right now. Like, I get it. But, but like, it, it's the biggest TV show in the world right now. And it was the most hyped ever episode. And, and, and I'm sorry, you don't you don't get to do the spoiler thing when there is a set date and time that the show airs that the plurality of people watching the show are watching it at. You have, in my opinion, between 9 p.m. and 10.15 p.m. Eastern time uh, to basically declare yourself uh, someone who, can, who, who cannot be spoiled. Once it's after that period, the show is aired for tens of millions of people across the country. You don't get... It's, it's on you after that to avoid spoilers because there is a date... I get the movie thing. The movie thing... Even though after opening weekend, if you really want to see it, you probably should have seen it opening weekend. But I, I get it, right? Maybe you didn't have a chance to get out to the movies. But for a television show that airs at a specific date and time, you don't have until a minute after 
that that airing ends to complain about spoilers. That is my thought on television. As much as we've moved to the Netflix and the, and the Hulu and the streaming era where everything is on your time, this isn't on your time. You don't get to complain until a minute after that thing airs. That's my thought. Arya Stark killed the Night King. All right, let's move wow! on to... Let, let, what? Let's, spoiler let, alert. Let, uh, spoiler alert. All right, let's move on to the NBA here because, again, we did discuss this. Uh, with Matt Moore and whether the the league was going to miss LeBron. I think the ratings are showing that. Um, You kind of have the one series that everybody wanted to see is actually happening in this round, which is Houston Golden State. And I need to avert my eyes because I I cannot watch. (laughs) I cannot. I just can't. I can't watch James Harden anymore. I can't. He is he is killing the game from the inside out. I I, it's you know, at first it was the flopping, uh, the facial expressions and everything else. But now it's the landing space, right? Like, so th- this new thing, I mean, people used to get on Reggie Miller, right, for the kickout. Like, that, that was Reggie's thing. And Reggie is an annoying personality. He was an annoying player. And, yes, I was a Nick fan. So, like, I, I have no patience in any way for Reggie Miller and any part of his personality, playing style, anything, okay? But he didn't do what Harden's doing. I mean, Harden is literally, like, vaulting himself forward. To, and, and so that has to be his landing space. I cannot watch it anymore. He dribbled 37 consecutive times the other day after he got back in the game after the eye thing. <laughs> it, it is just, I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's dreadful. And that's the series. That's the series mm-hmm. that everybody wanted to see. I, I just think that the problem with the playoffs right now is that there's no dominant, dominant team because everybody knows Golden State is not right, right? So, so it's not even like, you're shooting for the juggernaut that you were before. They don't have cousins. Durant clearly doesn't like his teammates. They're just, they're not the I mean, they're playing Andrew Bogut. They're not the same team that they were before, okay? They're still great, but they're not what they were. And and then you look at the other teams, and I know the East, you know, look, the East is compelling in terms of the competitiveness of it, but I don't know that we're seeing great basketball right now. Am I am I being too hard on this? I think you are. I mean, definitely not on the Harden thing. I think the, the, the Harden thing, you're perfectly on point. Although it is actually, in my opinion, almost a remarkable evolution of the thought process of a player in a game. Like, I know when I play sports, and again, at a very rudimentary level and a very awful level, but, like, I'm just I'm just trying to survive, right? I'm just trying to, like, live on instinct and live off. And, and I imagine a lot of athletes are, are not... Oh, I mean, obviously, there is a high level of scheme and thought that's put into it, but it's kind of executed via repetition, right? You do it in practice enough, you do it in games enough that it becomes muscle memory. And in the end, a lot of this is muscle memory. But for James Harden to have not only gotten to a stage where he is this good at basketball, that good at driving to, you know, driving to the rim and finishing, driving to the rim and putting up floaters, from shooting threes, from doing step-back threes, just the skills alone are incredible. But to then have elevated his game to a point where he is now optimizing his game around getting calls it's actually incredible in my opinion like in terms of the skill required to do that now do I want to watch it no I don't and and I've kind of had this thought about Houston for a while particularly when they stopped playing with pace and some of that is to kind of figure out how to neutralize Golden State some of that is so that James Harden's not exhausted so that Chris Paul doesn't get hurt but once they stop playing with pace and they kind of become almost the antithesis of what a Mike D'Antoni team should be other than the shooting of the threes. Um, it, it's 
very difficult to watch. And so I, I understand that, that element. But if you believe Golden State to be vulnerable, which I don't, I mean, even understanding uh, that they're they're playing, you know, Andrew Bogut and, I mean, they're, they're players like Alfonso McKinney that are getting minutes, their bench isn't any good. Um, but their, their starting five is still excellent. Their starting five uh, of Green, Durant, Curry, Thompson, Iguodala, when they play together, they're superb. They're basically just trying to survive bench minutes. Um, and Kevin Durant, I think, is playing really well at the moment. Uh, he was quoted the other day saying, I'm really enjoying this shit right now. That, that Like, this is the part of the year that he's enjoying. Um, I don't really think the Golden State uh, is that vulnerable. And I think a vulnerability will come next year, obviously, when I think Kevin Durant is going to go. But I think this is kind of what the NBA is going to be. I do think that the NBA is kind of going to have this um, better balance of talent. But the thing is, is that while we've long longed for that in terms of having uh, some variability in who wins the championship, it doesn't really have that gravitas in a way that Cleveland with LeBron, Miami with LeBron, Golden State, the Lakers with Kobe. Um, there just aren't. I think that's what's missing is there aren't teams that feel like, oh, this is championship caliber. Um, and maybe as the games go on, it will start to feel like that. But even even the even go, the, the the Golden State Houston thing, because of the varying distractions in it, it doesn't really feel as momentous as it should. Um, and uh, and I think obviously when they play the Sunday. Afternoon game. A lot of people are watching, and and it was the most watched, viewed second round game uh, for a long time on ABC. But it just still doesn't feel like it has that gravitas. Like, oh no, the championship is being decided right now. And I think it's going to take some of these teams and some of these stars being in our lives for a long time uh, before it starts to feel that way. Well, I think it actually would have been better for the league if some team in the East looked like a complete juggernaut, mm-hmm. I, because I, at least then there would be a conversation about a team in the East that could really push golden state. Like you said, I, they're still great. Okay. I, I'm downplaying it a little bit because they're not, you know, it's again, like covering those heat teams. Like, you know, the, one of those heat teams was great. Great. Like the 2012, 2013 team. Like there's always one team in there and this is a team was pretty for good. No, it was damn good. It was damn good. I mean, it was a little bit of a weird season, right? Cause the lockout and everything, but it was, yeah, that was a damn good team, but this golden state team is not going to be known as the best of the canon, right? Like it's, it's not okay. It's, it's, you know, if they win a title, it's going to be known as the year where Durant, you know, walked. Okay. After he won a title. So, what I think was necessary was some team in the Eastern Conference to look like it had its shit together to such a degree that we could start having a conversation about whether that team can push Golden State. And I just don't see it. I see four kind of evenly matched teams for playoff basketball. Milwaukee and Toronto were the best in the regular season, but we always felt, and I felt, that Philadelphia and Boston might have the most talent, right? Just individual talent. And so I think what's happened, and you've talked about this, is that there's certain players that are playoff players and talent kind of wins out. And so the third and fourth teams in the East have kind of pushed back up against the first and second teams in the East. And that makes for very, very competitive basketball. But it also doesn't make for a team really showing itself out. And I I can't count Milwaukee against Detroit because, uh, you know, it's so sad for the Heat. But, I mean, Detroit's a below-average basketball team that made the playoffs, right? I mean, it just is. I mean, they they were just not good. I mean, with or without uh, David Griffin. Blake Griffin, David Griffin, Peter Griffin. I I don't care which Griffin. They're they're just not a great – they're not even a good team. They're not even an average team, in my view. Yeah, we we probably need to shrink the playoff field after that. Like, I'm I'm in favor favor of a 12-team playoff uh, because – 
teams 13, 14, 15, and 16 are just never going to do anything. Like, you're th- whatever that designation is, like, if, if we drew the line at 12, um, mm-hmm. that's right on the border of Indiana, San Antonio, and the Clippers. That, for me, is right around where the border of the playoffs should be. Um, no, it could be, and then you'd have a buy. But then you, what you wouldn't get is if you did that without you know having it multiples of eight or four, uh, what you'd have then a situation where you would have a team like Golden State, which wasn't playing in the first round, and people don't want that. So I mean, you have to keep it unless you're going to go to four teams in each conference, which they're not going to do. Uh, it, it's got to stay at eight. But I, I just there is not a team in the East that's that's just jumping out to me as anything better than above average, right? And and mm-hmm. so I, I think Milwaukee's regular season number indicated that they were but you and I both questioned that whether how it would apply to the playoffs whether teams would be able to scheme up Giannis in a way to make them somewhat less effective whether Bud's schemes and strategies work in the playoffs as well as they do in the regular season and so now I think what we're kind of left with is the best we may see in the postseason may be what happens over the next you know week or so with these East, you know, uh, series kind of getting down to the end. And both of them, in my view, are probably going at least six games, right? And so I I think if that happens, there'll be some interest there. But I I think, you know, and I don't want to dwell too much on LeBron in this pod because everybody, I tweeted out that the playoffs miss LeBron and they're like, no, you miss LeBron. But, uh, you know, I I think the playoffs miss LeBron as much as LeBron missed the playoffs. I, I, I think... What, what's missing is, is a, you know, a, a polarizing figure. And I don't think that uh, Golden State qualifies at this stage as a polarizing team, in part because, A, Houston is harder to watch. Okay, so yeah. it's like if, if you're watching Golden State versus Houston, like even if you're sick of the Warriors, at least they try to play a pretty brand of basketball. Like they've brought joy to basketball fans' lives. Okay, like and, and you may I, not I still love I it. still watch them, and I'm thoroughly entertained. Like I right. still watch them when they're at their best, and they get the Oracle crowd going, and they're swinging the ball around, and it seems like they're unguardable. That style of basketball is really fun to watch. And so, like, I'm still, I, I still, even after all these years of them being the favorites, like, I still kind of watch them with the same sense of wonder as when they first broke out four years ago. Like, I, I still watch them that way. So it, it would be hard for them to be villains in that scenario. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Ship Your Car Now. These guys can move any car, boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while? Call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcar.com now.com backslash five reasons also make sure to mention five reasons on the phone i wish look i wish they'd I, they'd had this when i was going to college this would have been great for me i needed to get my car down from baltimore to florida i ended up taking the auto train you don't want to take the auto train ship your car fly no job too big or too small ship your car now moves it all 
I think Houston are the villains. I really do. I think if, if there's are. a team that, that are unlikable, it's them. Houston with the, and it, Philly. It's them with the fouls. Um, and also, I mean, this whole thing, we can talk about it, this dossier uh, that mm-hmm. they that they compiled of, uh, you know, all the points that they missed out on a year ago because of the fouls and drawing, drawing all these conclusions. I mean, how much do we have to work the refs? It's just, it's so obnoxious to me how much the game becomes about the officiating. And I get it. I mean, Daryl Morey is very much a money ball type of executive. He's looking for advantages in every margin, which is why Houston does what they do as unesthetically pleasing as it is. They work every advantage that they could possibly get. And look, James Harden swinging his feet four feet ahead of where he lay, where he had initially jumped is an advantage that they're trying to gain and trying to work this game. But it's unctuous. It's really unctuous mm. to constantly hear the complaints about the officiating when James Harden gets so many calls, and then when Draymond Green not only has a go at Houston, but then has a go at ESPN hosts uh, for you know for basically criticizing Draymond. Wait, you complain about calls too? There is no team that complains more about calls prior to this round than Golden State did this year. Right. The number of t- I mean, Kevin Durant being on a regular season game suspension for the number of techs is is ludicrous. Like. You're the biggest stars in the league. You're the best team in the league. Why are you complaining about the officials so much? I don't. I'm so tired of teams when they lose going to the officiating and complaining about officiating. And I get some of the gamesmanship about uh, uh, gamesmanship about working the refs and trying to get, you know bend it in their favor. And look, that that call can be the difference. But you you can't make the argument when you didn't play well enough that the officials swung the game against you. And that's really what it comes down to in sports. Like, I get the moments like the New Orleans one, where New Orleans played well enough in the NFC Championship game against the Rams to win the game, and maybe they didn't take their chances in the second half, but they played well enough to win the game and a pass interference that was blatant to everyone, a single call, but this thing where, oh, because they didn't call a minor graze of the elbow on a James Harden three, like, I don't want to talk about that. I really don't. I want to talk about basketball, and it's just so annoying to me how much the conversation Houston has made this about the officiating. Thankfully, it died down after game two. But, like, when Scott Foster being assigned to a game is a big deal and, like, one of the biggest deals we've had in the playoffs so far, like, that's the opposite of interesting to me. Yeah, and it takes a lot for you to bring out the word unctuous, so I'm glad we could add this back to the <laughs> podcast. I think it's been a couple of months. I, I just I, – I can't watch them. I, I decided not to watch the second half the other night. I'm, I just – it's I, it's not basketball what Harden's doing. I mean, I, I, I respect – that he's carved out this little niche, but it's just not fun to watch. And so I don't, and so if they're the villains, I mean, they're not a good enough villain for anybody to care enough. I, what's frustrating to me is that, you know, Dan Tony's coaching that team because he coached, you know, a beautiful basketball team in Phoenix. And it's just, I mean, you know, Nash you know, flying with his hair all over the place and Marion filling the wings and stop. Har- Harden is up. essentially to D'Antoni um, efficient Carmelo, right? He, he, he right. saps the soul out of a D'Antoni team, but he does it so efficiently that you can't really complain about it. <laughs> right. But we're far enough along now that, I mean, D'Antoni's now coached two teams like this. Like yep. I, it's hard to even remember Phoenix. I, and I, I give him credit for adjusting because most coaches don't do that. But it's it's just really, really difficult to watch. So I think that's kind of where we're at right now. Like I, I for the NBA to salvage this postseason, in my view, they need these two East series to go six or seven games and be compelling at the end and somebody to be a hero or a goat. They, they need something memorable 
out of this. I don't know who it's going to be in those series. You have plenty of stars in those series. Okay, not LeBron-level stars, but obviously guys on that very next level, whether it's Giannis and Kawhi and Kyrie and, and then all the guys in Philadelphia. Um, but I do want to go through some of those players. That was one of the sort of the purposes of, of this podcast. There was a stat that uh, Arjan Carlo Navas of Miami Heat Beat put out. Thankfully, he didn't have to spell anything. It, just, it was a table. Um, and basically what it showed was what the true shooting percentages were of the biggest stars in the NBA. And then it was like a grid and it moved itself to show what they were in the playoffs. And it's a really fascinating thing, if you can find it. Uh, he put it up at, at GNovice103. I retweeted it from Five Reasons Sports. And here's the thing that strikes you. Most players get a little bit worse in the postseason. And that's because they're schemed for, the defenses are more committed, etc. Um, it's similar to why our buddy Derek Jeter was always praised for his postseason performances. But if you look at what Jeter actually did in the playoffs, similar to what Dwayne Wade actually did in the playoffs, their postseason numbers and their regular season numbers were virtually the same. And both of them deserved credit for that because it's harder in the postseason. So the fact that Jeter would hit whatever it was, 301, 302 in the regular season, and then replicate it in the postseason, whereas, say, A-Rod had difficulty replicating that in the postseason, or Stanton had difficulty last year, others have had difficulty, that's indicative of a player who does not uh, shrink under the pressure. It doesn't mean he's going to hit a lot better or shoot a lot better or score a lot more goals. It just means he's going to do what he always does, even when the stakes are higher and the pressure is greater uh, and the competition is more focused and better. And so I always you know, gave Jeter credit for that. You were facing in, in the baseball playoffs all number one, two, and three starters. You weren't cleaning up against fourth and fifth starters or spot starters or long relievers, et cetera, as you do during the regular season. So it's okay that most players dip a little bit in the NBA in the postseason. But there are two examples that are the counterexamples on this, okay, of somebody who gets really, really good and somebody who gets really, really bad. Now, the guy who gets really, really bad is DeMar DeRozan, and he's out, <laughs> okay? Like, that one is off the charts negative. Like, DeRozan falls apart typically in the postseason. The one who goes the other direction, and I think we need to start saying, is this the best all-around player in the entire NBA, is Kawhi Leonard. His number in the postseason is astronomically better than it is during the regular season. Now, you can put this in some context and say that during his time in San Antonio, he wasn't always the featured option, which made it a little bit easier. But Kawhi, I don't think we're talking about Kawhi enough, Chris. I, I think mm -hmm. there's so much focus on Durant and Curry and Harden, some of the Philadelphia guys, Kyrie and Boston and how they fit, and obviously Giannis as next, and then what Lillard's done. I feel like because he has no personality, because he checked out on the Spurs, because everybody knows he's leaving Toronto probably for the Clippers, we're not talking about Kawhi. He might be the best player in the league right now if you're talking about an all-around player. Yeah, and I've heard... Um, some I've I've heard Brian Windhorst mention that he's talked to the biggest stars in the NBA, and it took them a while to really accept Kawhi almost as one of their own, as in this class of player. But we talk about two way all the time as if it's different than being a great basketball player. That offense and defense are somehow separated into there are great basketball players and there are great basketball players that also play defense, like. Being a great basketball player includes the defending, and I think um, part of also what's happened with Kawhi this year is that because he... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited... 
how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Only played 60 games in the regular season, not because he was injured at any point, but because they were so committed to a resting plan with him. Um, it, it's hard to consider him in that upper class uh, when you're not playing, you're not doing it every single night. Now, I'm kind of of the opinion that 60 should be the number of games that the NBA plays every season, um, and that would be more right, and maybe you could have more perform- more performances like the one that Kawhi Leonard's given us, but. I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, we saw it firsthand in 2013-14 what Kawhi Leonard did to the Miami Heat. He absolutely shredded them. And I think and, and and Kawhi Leonard by virtue of what happened afterwards was kind of on his way a little bit to what we talked about with Dwayne Wade, where he won the one championship fairly early in his career. Um, it was his third season in the league, and it wasn't really expected that he was going to be at that level. Um, and then um, from then, because of what what happened circumstantially, because of what happened um, with the injuries. And, and that crazy year that he had, uh, 2017-18, um, it was, it, I, I think there was a risk that maybe he was going to drop out of that class um, a little bit surprisingly when he still had all the same skill sets that made him this elite and incredible and efficient and defensively strong basketball player. But I, I do think that there's maybe an outside shot of him staying in Toronto for this reason. They figured out a way to optimize his season for him to be able to play every game in the postseason, for him to be able to stay healthy. And I do think from what I've heard about uh, Kawhi Leonard's priorities, that even though you know he, there, there are some maybe in his family or in his camp that want him to become a bigger star, I do think there's maybe some that just wanted Kawhi Leonard to be treated with um, respect and care when it came to his physical status, that he was not feeling right, and that Toronto has done everything that they can to get him feeling and playing right at this stage of the year. And so I do wonder if you might say, but yeah, I mean, he, he might have been the lost best player in a championship team, but you are if you're that once... You have that in you, and I think that Kawhi Leonard, without question, has that in him, and what the performances he's putting in right now uh, for Toronto, even after they lost Game 2, um, it's incredible. He's, I mean, it's so far in these first two games of these series, averaging 40 points um, in the Orlando series, dropped 30 a couple of times, and doing it all efficiently, um, he is at the peak of his powers, and as you said, as a player that gets better in the postseason, I think because he takes on a bit more of the offense and is up for it. So uh, I think he's an incredible player, at you know, fully healthy. I, I mean, the, the the five best player in the NBA conversation um, is certainly log jammed, but given what Anthony Davis did this year, you can definitely say that Kawhi leapfrogged him in that conversation. Um, and now we're kind of splitting hairs between Curry and Durant and um, and LeBron, obviously, even though he's out of the postseason, and Giannis, um, that's kind of the conversation, and, Har- and Harden, obviously, that's the conversation group right now, and Kawhi Leonard is certainly in there.
We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the 5 Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E, calllegal.com, or actually call 855-5000-LAW-L-A-W. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention 5 Reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Yeah, no, there's no question. I, and But again, the difference between him and some of the others is he also, when committed to it, is the best defender in the league. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's I, that's what separates. Look, I, you know, LeBron is not that anymore and, and not has not been that in a long time. Now, Durant has gotten much better defensively than he was. Curry, I think, is better than he's given credit for. But, uh, but they're not Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi is a lockdown guy who affects and disrupts your entire offensive game plan. And then, like you said, then he's doing it on the other end. I mean, you can make a serious case that, like, the Clippers got him and Durant next year, that that Kawhi is, if he's not the co-lead, uh, I mean, if he's not the guy, he's certainly the co-lead with Durant. And, uh, you know, I, look, I love watching KD score. Uh, I mean, I, he does it so effortlessly. He is what people thought Carmelo Anthony was. I mean, he just, I mean, he can score from anywhere on the floor. He's basically unguardable when he's got that pull-up in transition. Um, he can go inside, outside. I mean, he's made up really for any. He, he has no offensive weakness. He just, just he has no offensive weakness. He, and his game, unlike Harden's, to me is extremely fun to watch when he's got it going, when he's playing in rhythm. Uh, Curry is the is the great game changer in the entire league. I mean, he disrupts everything that you do. I mean, he can shoot thirty percent from three in a game, and he still had the biggest impact out there. So I, I'm not putting aside what the two of them do offensively, but what Kawhi does defensively completely sets him apart. And I, look, I, I think a lot of it, and the reason we don't acknowledge it, and I think the reason that others have had trouble accepting him is he's just not a fun personality. Like I, he's not a fun personality with the media, but he also doesn't seem to be a particularly fun personality with his teammates. And he's not the type. I mean, you don't hear about Kawhi like hanging out on a banana boat with guys. Like he's not, it's not him, right? Like he's, <laughs> He's, I think mercurial is the word that was used. I know when the Heat was investigating him, and they did investigate him, and they put everybody on the table for him, everybody, in a way they did not for Jimmy Butler. But one of the reasons that they pulled back, my understanding is that they found Kawhi's people to be much more difficult to reach with and harder to communicate uh, than LeBron's people ever were. And so there is this cloud around Kawhi. But as a pure basketball player, you can make a serious case he's the best player on the planet right now. And, you know, that's why I'm a little surprised, too, and maybe it is because he has a personality deficiency, that it's not the topic of conversation during the playoffs. Like, is he going to stay in Toronto? Like, what? I mean, everybody's talking about Durant, right? Yeah. Is he going to stay in Golden State? When Golden State would probably be fine with not, not I mean, they would obviously right. take a hit, but they'd still make the playoffs next year. They'd still be a top contender in the West if Durant left. Correct. But, right, but it, but obviously if, if Kawhi leaves, it's, a, I mean, I, look now, Masai will will regroup because mm-hmm. they always can regroup. But you know, they replaced their number one uh, with a better number one. I mean, uh, again, the DeRozan Kawhi trade; those are the two guys on the polar opposite, you know, poles of club 
playoff play as compared to regular season play. And so they upgraded considerably there from DeRozan to him. It's you can't upgrade on Kawhi. There's nobody they can get that can replicate what Kawhi is doing. So even if Siakam becomes a star, which is looking more and more likely now with Lowry aging, you know, what else do you put around them to, to make that thing work? And you've got Gasol and, and everything else, you know, as an aging player. So I, I, Kawhi is, is the un- overlooked story here. And I just wonder if they can get out of this round. Um, and, you know, let's say they draw Boston now against obviously against Milwaukee. There's gonna be a lot of conversation Kawhi versus Giannis, who's better, etc. But if they draw Boston, they can get past sort of a big market, you know, big profile team there, then I think Kawhi does start to get some of the credit that he didn't really get for being the MVP with with, uh, you know, with 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 the Spurs, because even though he was the best player in that series, the conversation is still about Duncan. It's still about Parker. It's still about Ginobili. It's still about pop. This would be purely about him. And, and I do think it changes things for him. Yeah, agreed. And it also probably elevates his level in the conversation of free agency, because right now you're looking at that storyline and it's, Probably one, where does Durant go if he goes anywhere at all? Just because I think the breaking up of the Warriors is still the most important thing uh, to happen for in, in order for the NBA to truly be this level of interesting because it's just when they're at full flow and they're dominating, uh, even with almost nobody to come off the bench and help them, um, they're still so good in, in their front five um, that they need to be broken up in order for this league to be competitive. Um, so I still think it's number one, but... I would say right now the second storyline is can Los Angeles find someone uh, to have as a running mate with LeBron James with their second max salary spate with their second max salary spot and um, I I don't know if they're going to be able to do that but that's probably going to be talked about a lot is what is Jeannie Buss going to do what is Rob Palenka and whoever ends up in charge and the coach and whomever um, going to do in order to get. Uh, the Lakers to that next step with LeBron James. That'll be second. And I think Kawhi is probably, probably going to end up being third. But, I mean, right now, figuring out where Kawhi Leonard is going to go or if he's going to stay in terms of deciding who's going to win the championship is probably second ahead of LeBron James because I think even uh, with that storyline of LeBron getting a second teammate, if it's Jimmy Butler, if it's Kemba Walker, if it's Chris Middleton, if it's whomever, um, I, I don't think that'll be as big or, or as momentous of a change as, say, if he, if Kawhi went to the Clippers um, because the Clippers were already pretty decent, decent this year um, and they could be adding this franchise-changing kind of player, whereas I just don't think LeBron is going, unless Kawhi ends up going to the Lakers and we kind of merge these ideas, um, I, I do think that Kawhi moving this summer, uh, being a free agent this summer, particularly after uh, what happened with him in San Antonio, and as you said, this kind of clandestine operation around him uh, and his clandestine personality, um, figuring out where he's going to go is now elevated uh, in the NBA conversation because of what, he done, what he's done in these playoffs, what he did in the regular season, and in general, what he offers as a proposition towards winning. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, he's not going to the Lakers. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's happening. I, you know, the Clippers have set this thing up perfectly. I saw um, Balmer was on CNBC yesterday talking about his team and kind of joking. I mean, he was there to promote something else, but you know, he, he was asked about the Clippers. He's like, well, you know, I like our scrappy team, but I think there's a couple of guys we could add. Um, and, and if they add those two guys, I mean, when you look at their young core and you, you have Lou Williams as a bench scorer and, and, you know, some you know, with what Harold did this year. And I mean, you, you, you project them right towards the top of the Western conference. And so I, I think Leonard and Durant are both going there. And if you look at right now, I mean, you've got, I mean, Durant's averaging 34.3 on 52.7% 
from the field, okay, 41% from three, 91% from the line, all right, while averaging five rebounds, five assists. Kawhi at this stage, 31.3 points on 58% from the field, 47% from three, 89% from the line, six, uh, seven rebounds, three assists, which has been one of the weaker parts of his game, uh, and a steal and a half. I mean, it's they have been, if you look at the efficiency numbers, it's been Durant and Kawhi sort of as co-leaders in this postseason and then everybody else. And, you know, Lillard's had a tremendous playoff from a scoring perspective. Obviously, you know, my feelings on Harden, you know, Paul George had an impressive first round series in terms of scoring, didn't shoot all that well, but it's really been those two guys. And, you know, with Durant, my thing on Durant is, again, most effortless scorer in the league has become a better defender, but it's just so hard to separate, Chris. Like, I, I can't. Because sometimes they look better when Curry is their engine. In fact, not just sometimes, a lot of the time. Yeah, and, 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 when, so, and when he doesn't play, they're not entirely the same. Right, so I, I don't, I, it's just the, the structure of the way that they play, the way that he, again, bends the defense. It just makes it very hard to sort of put Durant over Kawhi. When you look at Toronto and you say, all right, you've got Lowry, who, <laughs> excuse me, as we know, is not an elite playoff performer, a, a really young, very skilled player in Siakam, and then kind of a lot of parts, right? I mean, Marcus Saul is not the Marcus Saul that we knew. Abaka, I don't think, has looked very good of late. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, they have some some nice pieces there, but it's Kawhi's team. I mean, that team looks different when he doesn't play, and so. I just I would put him as as the best player in the league right now. Who has been um, your biggest surprise in the postseason, and who has been your biggest disappointment? I would say, from a surprise point of view, and I'd, I'd have to say Nikola Jokic, um, particularly from the way that they started, um, and. I just, I just thought that particularly from a defensive point of view, there were going to be teams that could run him off the floor. From an offensive point of view, I thought early in the postseason, it looked like this was not going to be a game that translated to the postseason, that he was going to have a hard time uh, with his skill set. But they figured it out. And, I mean, you look at his box score every night, it is entirely filled up. I mean, he is a player that rebounds as the, is the point guard of a team from a center point of view. There is not a player in the league that is anything like uh, what Nikola Jokic does. And and, um, and so the fact that it's working to this degree, the fact that they are in the second round, they got past San Antonio, and I think they're going to go on a long series here with Portland. And if they get to the conference finals, I mean, that's a player that, albeit the bracket kind of uh, ended up in a very nice way for them, if they ended up, you know, fourth and playing Houston the first round, you wouldn't imagine that they were here. But um, the fact that they won so many games in the regular season that I thought he was a more regular season player than playoff player. And I think it's working really well uh, for him and for Denver right now, even after losing at home to Portland. But I think that series will be uh, another long one. Now, in terms of disappointments, I don't really know if I have too many candidates here. Um, I think Embiid has been a little bit of a disappointment. Although he, mm-hmm. he comes up with a big play at the end of that Philly game. But at the same time, I think he's playing through uh, injury and probably a fairly significant one right now and probably played a few too many regular season games. His counting numbers look fine. But, I mean, in terms of... Takes too many threes. He averages three threes a game and shoots him at 21%. Um, his efficiency overall isn't good enough uh, for a player of his skill. And what we've seen at times from him in the regular season, I mean, Joel Embiid in the regular season um, was dominant 
for large stretches, and yet here we are in this postseason, and um, it, it just hasn't been good enough. And, and you, you referenced earlier that graphic from uh, from G um, that uh, went pretty viral. I didn't realize that it had to to, to, to that degree. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you look at um, Co- uh, Embiid's numbers; they go off a cliff in the postseason. He's around fifty eight. Uh, 58.5% true shooting percentage, and it's around 53.5% uh, in the postseason. So it goes down significantly, and uh, he's got a lot of figuring out of the postseason to do. Um, and I think, obviously, the team dynamic in Philly doesn't help things which is mu- with as much as they're trying uh, to figure out their right combination of five and how it's going to work. Um, there are usually two or three guys, and even, like, I've noticed it with Golden State, too, when... Curry has it going, or Clay has it going. Like they went four or five possessions the other night where Katie didn't even touch the ball, and and that happens even more so in Philly. Not as much of a sharing offense as Golden State's is. I think overall that dynamic is hard to figure out, and Embiid um, is kind of a bit lost right now, particularly because of the way that the injury is affecting him. Yeah, I think Embiid's a good candidate. I, you know, I was looking. I'm looking at some of the numbers of some of the prominent players in the league, and it's it's funny because it does look like most guys have actually showed up this year. Um, yeah, you know, or had had moments. I mean, uh, you, again, you look at the top of it uh, that, you know, to me, the big breakout is, you know, you see stars emerge in the playoffs. I mean, Pascal Siakam's a star. Uh, he, I mean, he is, he, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about somebody who, uh, you know, shooting 53% from the field, 39% from three averaging 23 in the playoffs while giving you eight rebounds and three assists. I mean, these are Anthony Davis numbers. Yeah that he's putting up right now and and nobody projected this for him. I mean, I mean he's outscoring Steph Curry in the playoffs. Uh, I mean th- this is it's remarkable. Uh, Masai is just tremendous. I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of what they do in Toronto. And but nobody projected him as a frontline guy. They thought that he would be, you know, a really good, a high-level role player, but he's right there. I mean, the names of top scorers in the postseason are Durant, Kawhi, Dame, Harden, Paul George, Giannis, Siakam, Curry. Okay, I mean, right. I mean that's, I mean that's the company that he's keeping right now. I, to me, he's he's the big plus. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go outside the box. I don't think it's just Embiid. I I just want to see more. I, I know he's shooting 65 percent from the field. It's hard to complain, but I just feel like there's more to Ben Simmons' game that needs to be unlocked. And, and I I don't you just don't see it all the time. And Maybe it is the shooting thing or the fact that he won't even attempt one or make anybody pay. But I, I just I, sometimes I, just, I, I look at him and I feel like he should be the best player on the floor at all times. He has the skill set to do it. And sometimes he just sort of disappears a little bit. Uh, so that's been to me. I, I, Philly is is I know that, you know, they won game two. They may win this series. I was a little more up on them than, say, Matt Moore was when he was on the podcast. But I just I feel like they're less than the sum of their parts still, and and so I it, for me for them to be greater than because you can't count on Embiid to play game to game at this stage. Simmons has to be great, and I, he just goes through stretches sometimes where he's not. Agreed, and I think particularly as a screener, there's a lot more that he can do, but. It's hard, man. It's just so hard when, particularly Embiid shooting as poorly as he is, um, to really figure out a way to have two non-shooters on the floor um, and figuring out the spacing of all of that and Ben Simmons to be treated with such disrespect. And I think... That's the hardest thing to overcome. It's not necessarily um, a lack of skill. It's not necessarily um, the tactics that that Brett Brown is employing. It's when another team is disrespecting you to such a degree. They just give you 10 feet. And they're saying, we don't, we're not scared of you um, in, this, in, in, in this arena, in this area. Um, I think that's really hard for a player to overcome 
particularly when you'd imagine he's trying to figure this out. I mean, you'd imagine there's a lot of work over three years being put into his jump shot, into his free throw form. I mean, he's a professional basketball player that just can't shoot. And I think that has to be psychologically difficult to get over for a young player that's, you know, been thrown right into it. I mean, you think about it, the first two years of his career, you know, 50 win teams in both seasons and in the playoffs, that's your first two years. That's that, that's a lot to go through for a young player um, and, and a lot to take on board uh, when you consider, obviously, um, that difficulty of teams treating you with such disrespect. I, but I agree with you. Um, I think his his best work has been done as a screener and then uh, receiving the ball on the roll. Um, and, and I think that... Philly would be wise to use that more, but just in general, um, the team play from them is, is hard to figure out because they have so many mouths to feed. I mean, if you think about it, on any given possession, you can run action for J.J. Redick to get a wide-open three. On any given possession, you can run action for Joel Embiid to work on the post or Jimmy Butler to get a shot, which which is what they've been leaning on, and fair play to him at the end of Game 2 for basically winning that game, uh, you know, sort of with his own isolation game. But Tobias Harris could can you know ha- has a lot of things that he can do and can go to work, but he's kind of relegated to fourth or fifth option on this team because of what J.J. Redick can do from three and how much uh, a lot of the movements and the screens are kind of favored for him to get open looks so it's a really hard chemistry to figure out and Simmons has kind of been placed in this role where he's kind of meant to be uh, the lead of all of it while also being treated with disrespect by his opposition it's a lot for one player to take on board and Philly didn't have nearly enough time to really figure this out in the regular season I think it shows at times but sometimes as you see in game two just the weight of their talent is enough to win them a road playoff game and that's why if you're Elton Brand you do that every time because Sometimes the weight of talent is enough. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, we've had a lot of inquiries about how you can contribute to the Five Reasons Sports Network other than just giving us money, which we'll certainly take, or being a podcaster, and I have too many bad ones already. So here's (laughs) an idea if you want to get involved with us, and it goes beyond our new website, fivereasonsports.com. We are looking for sales representatives. Why? Because we have a lot to sell. We sell ads on our podcasts. We sell ads on social media. We also are selling sponsorships and banner ads on our website. So we've got a ton of inventory to sell. We are credentialed with all five teams down here. We're fully established. And we just want somebody who can go out into the community and sell that product, sell Miami sports, buy Miami for Miami to the South Florida community. So if you want to get involved, here's two ways that you can contact us. One is by going to Skolnick at FiveReasonsSports.com. And the other way is going to Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, at five reasons sports.com reach out one of those two ways and we will get back in touch with you and tell you how you can help and how you can make money we'll get into more stuff uh, on the nba next week also obviously we're going to try to do a little bit more on the dolphins and josh rosen we've got a couple of guests that we're trying to line up we think will be interesting for you also check out this feed i am going to be out at the canelo jacobs fight this week um, check out our out for the count podcast those guys do a great job uh, Vic Bermudez knows everybody, the host of that podcast. In fact, he put something on his IG page uh, where Canelo basically punched him in the back of the head walking by him yesterday, which is the ultimate sign of, of respect. Not sure that's the guy you want to get a punch in the back of the head from, uh, <laughs> but but it does tell you that our hosts of the uh, of the Out for the Count podcast are very respected in the business. So I'm going to do a little boxing with him out there, not actual boxing, but, but boxing podcast stuff. <laughs> so be sure to check that out on our feed and check out 5reasonsports.com. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ranger Podcast. Thank you so much.